born on the shores of paradise. An old woman recalls her youth. The perilous and uncertain journey marks the beginning of her transformation and the genesis of a new organization. Chapter 22 Lily Uukolani Keahi Lily stood on the balcony connected to her bedroom facing the southwest. The dying light of the setting sun carried a cool breeze from Folsom Lake. It caressed her cheek with a feather touch as it waved over the large patio, carrying that summer freshwater scent. Blended orange, purple, and blues accented the sunset. The dazzling scene reminded her of fireworks blasting in the night sky on a warm night in late August, a sign of the season's end. Her bones felt weighted and brittle at the sight of it. The balcony was large, with simple decorations. Four potted plants, haphazardly placed in each corner, and a simple 3D printed patio furniture set, with a round table surrounded by four chairs sporting weather-beaten cushions, populated the wooden surface. It had been the last place in the house she had decorated. After the effort and expense invested in the facade of her mansion, she had little desire to make the area presentable. Few people ever got that far into the house anyway. She relaxed her shoulders to allow air to flow from her lungs. Then deliberately took in refreshing lake air. With her gaze fixed on fast-approaching twilight in the distant sky, her thoughts turned to her family, replaying conversations from the past. They seemed to blur together in her mind, like the colors of the sunset. It made it hard for her to know what to feel, I'm sorry I had to send you away. It's what's best for us both. The lies she told Noe a few hours prior felt natural. Almost more so than the strained conversation between them. Lily told her that she needed to leave to go and meet a few old business associates. It felt like the only way to get her to go away while, at the same time, keeping her out of the inevitable harm that was stalking its way toward the house. After learning about the threat on her mother's life issued by members of Limnik, years of pain, anger, and disappointment were replaced 
by Noah's need to preserve human life, even if that life was the mother she hated. She's a fighter, that one. I don't know where that selflessness comes from. Probably from some long dead ancestor. But not me. Lily thought, after Noe exited her house. Initially, Noe refused to leave. She felt like her presence might make a difference in her poor old mother's life for the first time in decades. Well aware of her intentions and motivations, Lily still sent her away. She had known for years that Limnik would come for her, that he would come for her, but never knew when, how, or where. It had been promised years prior after she had managed to break free from the wretched and dangerous organization for good. That freedom came at too high a cost. A small mosquito drifted with caution around Lily's face. She swatted at it with her right hand and watched it retreat into the darkening airspace around her. Seconds later, the resulting histamine reaction from the mosquito's bite on her bare calf caused her to reach down and scratch the area. Damn mosquito. mosquito. The nuisance of the itch reminded her of countless similar bites she had received as a young girl playing in the lush tropical grasses near her birth home on western Oahu. The bites had never bothered her much back then. Going outside and facing the potential dangers of nature were a preferred substitute from those that awaited her at home. Back then, she was a different person. At five feet and two inches tall, Lily Ukolani Keahi, her birth name, was impetuous, sharp-tongued, and streetwise. From an early age, she had learned to take advantage of any opportunity or edge afforded to her. An inborn talent for reading people and recalling faces, a razor-sharp intuition, attractive face, exotic curves, and ability with numbers were the skills that kept her alive during those early years. She had acquired none of these things sitting behind a desk and being lectured at. All were inherited evolutionary pearls, formed among the capricious undertoes of natural selection's brackish waters. As turtles have shells, jellyfish have venom, and lionfish have spines, Lily had been endowed with these traits. Not for offense or defense, good or evil, but for survival. Nature has no morals, only predators and prey. And young Lily was no one's prey.
The verbal and physical weapons wielded against Lily in her mother's booze-soaked tantrums, combined with her father's gambling and video game addictions, made the jungles of Hawaii a welcome escape from home. When she was young, she tried to make the island her home, sneaking rides in cabs or Ubers with friends, or just by taking the bus to Honolulu to hang out at the beach. But she quickly saw the impacts of overdevelopment, environmental destruction, and foreign sellouts that corrupted what, in her mind, should have been an island paradise. She had the feeling that the island was sinking under her feet from capitalistic offloading of ideals, cultural images, merchandise from the mainland, and rising sea levels. This was supposed to be my land, my kingdom, she had thought. I can't stay here. She planned her escape on her 17th birthday. It gave her time to save up some money before she departed. In addition to the pocket money, she needed a plane ticket. A sympathetic distant cousin living in San Francisco at the time secretly purchased her a one-way ticket to the mainland, promising to provide her with shelter and to help her establish a life in the city. Lily accepted the offer, not mentioning a word to her parents or friends. Wordless goodbyes and awkward conversations punctuated the week before her scheduled flight. She nearly cracked under the pressure and told one of her closest friends, Maury, about her decision but decided against it. A perceptive girl of few words raised on the North Shore in Laie, she always seemed to know what Lily was thinking. During their final conversation, Lily put on the performance of a lifetime to conceal her intention to leave. She had even gone as far as telling Maury, see you tomorrow. But... Deep down, she knew Maury had seen through it all, knew that she would probably never see Lily again. She was right. Sitting alone in the cabin of the plane, under Hawaiian Airlines' signature soft purplish-pink lighting, she once again considered turning back. She stood in the tiny bathroom, looking at her frazzled reflection staring back at her in the mirror for several minutes. She carried no luggage and could easily walk off of the flight if she wanted to. Maury could help me. I could find a way to survive. I always do. A soft knock at the lavatory door made her heart jump. It was a friendly stewardess with a rosy expression, wearing ruby red lipstick. 
The bright colors stood out on her peanut-toned complexion. You need some help? She asked delicately. Lily hesitated, her heart slamming in her chest. Last chance. No, I was just coming out. The stewardess smiled wide, displaying perfect white teeth. Okay then, I'll have to ask you to return to your seat. We're preparing the cabin for departure. Lily nodded her head, then snaked her way past a male stewardess, cramming a bulging piece of luggage into an already stuffed overhead compartment to reach her seat. Excitement, fear, and apprehension mixed in her blood, giving her a heady feeling. As if she had sipped a cup of Kona coffee and chased it with a shot of Kahlua. From her window seat, surrounded by strangers and a storm of conflicting thoughts, she watched the only island that she had ever called home slowly grow smaller as the jet ascended toward cruising altitude. It looks so beautiful from up here. That would be the last time she would ever see the island in person. Life in San Francisco was not easy or cheap for Lily. Her body, acclimated to the tropical Hawaiian jet stream, constantly trembled from the cold bay breeze. Worse yet, shortly after her arrival, the cousin who purchased her plane ticket perished unexpectedly in a roofing accident while on the job. Heartbroken, with no contacts, and only her remaining cash she had saved up before leaving home, she was forced to struggle for survival among the city's abundant homeless population. Lily bounced from a group home to a few shelters. At one shelter, she was caught stealing food and other toiletries from residents on multiple occasions. The infractions were enough to officially remove her from the place. Angered at what she deemed to be a failure of a system, with pride as her only companion, the streets of the Mission District became her home. The winter of 2022 was the longest of her short life fighting for scraps of dumpster food left by affluent tech workers and tourists, defending herself from the constant threat of sexual assault from doped-up homeless counterparts, theft of what little personal belongings she had, and surviving the chilly weather were all part of her daily activities. I don't belong here, she used to think to herself as she hugged her knees under a urine-soaked blanket. 
a queen. I am a queen. I am a queen. The thought lulled her to sleep nightly. It prevented her from putting an end to her life. A thought that ran across her mind on the darkest of nights. The weeks turned to months as Lily taught herself how to survive on the streets. She learned which street locations were safest at certain times of day and strategically placed herself there during low traffic periods. A stolen knife from a drunk man in a wheelchair provided protection. Lily wasn't afraid to brandish it whenever she felt threatened. She carried few belongings. That way, she had less to lose and could change her position every few hours. It was important to be able to recognize when food was clean or dirty. The wrong meal lifted from a rodent-infested dumpster could mean days of stomach issues and street defecation. A mistake she had only made once. The lesson was forever branded in her memory. Out of necessity, she had become a strategist, survivalist, and warrior. These were traits she would carry with her for the rest of her life. Lily survived street life for several months, only able to discern the passage of time by the rare sighting of a calendar inside of a random store. One day, during one of her location transitions, she caught a peek of a calendar posted on the wall of a barber shop from the street. April 14th. My birthday was last week. I'm 18 now. The thought left her mind as she mentally drew a map of the city blocks, then continued moving toward her afternoon spot. Lily had procured two ball caps, one a sun-bleached San Francisco 49ers cap with a tear in the back, the other a San Francisco Giants hat. The giant's hat had been brand new when she found it, but she soaked it in cat urine to make it appear and smell used. Less chance for robbery that way. On that afternoon, standing at the corner of Washington and Stockton, her appearance was filthy. Her brown bra pinched and was a size too small. She covered herself with a faded blue women's extra-large Led Zeppelin t-shirt that extended to her mid-thighs, stained baggy jeans, and a worn pair of scuffed and torn Asics running shoes. The 49ers cap covered her long black greasy hair and sat above her grimy complexion. 
It nearly concealed her eyes that looked out to the busy street with a stale gaze. Her body emitted a ripe odor that hovered around her like a fetid essence. The foul mixture of anxiety produced perspiration, old clothing, and urine functioned as an effective repellent for most pedestrians. I am a queen. I am a queen. Lily repeated the chant to herself, never willing to accept her sordid circumstances as her fate. With the giant's hat turned upside down in her left hand, she held out a thin arm to receive whatever money she could. Most people treated her as if she were invisible, while others dropped change, then promptly scurried away, afraid her homeless condition might be contagious in some way. Lily didn't care. She had abandoned her ego long ago. When it came to getting money, she didn't give a damn what others thought of her. Any money she received helped her to survive another day. A man in jeans, wearing a dusty blue jacket over a black t-shirt, with a slightly bulging belly, noticed her standing on the corner. He had a large nose, with blackish-brown hair on his head and covering most of his face. Judging by the discernible wrinkles beside his eyes and mouth, he was probably in his late thirties or early forties. Lily usually had a hard time distinguishing a person's age. In her world, it didn't matter. After a certain age, everyone wanted the same things anyway just in different amounts and flavors. This man was probably no exception. Despite her cynical first impression, he had looked at her differently. Unlike the other nameless figures moving along the street, he regarded her as if she were a person, not a despicable vagrant with dubious intentions. In his empathic gaze, she glimpsed an inquiry for communication. It was a flicker of humanity. The first she had seen in months. Lily, conditioned not to looking others in the eye for fear of attack or some other vile request, raised her eyes to return his gaze. He smiled brightly, then said, you are beautiful. What is your name? His voice was gentle and soft, but she could not place the origin of his accent. It sounded like it could be Russian, but with her limited experience, Lily was unsure. Lily. What was that, my dear? My name is Lily. Her vocal cords struggled to produce sound, weakened from weeks of disuse. Put that ball cap down, Lily, and come with me. 
She didn't move, but just continued to stare at the man, wondering what he really wanted. Sex? Sex. Probably. That's what they all want, even the women. The man continued to smile. I see you are not very trusting. It's okay, I give you money. He reached into his suit jacket pocket, produced two $100 bills, then gently placed them into her ball cap. Lily's entire body tensed when the man reached into his jacket. Two crisp $100 notes were the last things she expected him to produce. She quickly snatched the money from the cap, inspected it, smelled it, held it up to the sun. It's, it's real. It was more money than she had seen in one place since she stepped off of the plane from Honolulu. I have more, the man said. I help you. Please, come with me. He motioned in his direction. Still skeptical, she stuffed the money in her bra and followed him. He walked her in silence two blocks down the street to a seedy office apartment above a dry cleaning store. Lily considered robbing the man as he walked ahead of her up the narrow, poorly lit stairs of the building. He was pulling his keys out of his pocket when she began to prepare for action. It would be easy and quick. He's probably going to try and rape me anyway. The pocket knife was ready in her waistband. It would only take a practiced second for her to draw, flip the blade up, and use it. Psyched up and ready, Lily's muscles began to move. At that moment, the man softly pushed open the door, turned toward her, and asked, Would you like some tea or coffee? There's not much, but it is chilly in the city, and you are, how you say, freeze. The man continued to smile. Lily's muscles relaxed. Her hands fell back to her sides. Uh, yeah, some coffee would be okay. The man smiled. Good, come on in. She followed, still ready to use the knife and, if necessary, kill if it came to it. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Sirius and Limnick, the audio drama podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to rate and review my story on your podcast platform of choice. Did you know that this podcast is an adaptation of my novel, Sirius and Limnick? Just search for the title online, spelled C-E-R-E-U-S and L-I-M-N-I-C. 
to find more information about purchase options if you don't want to wait for more audio drama chapters. If you're interested in learning more about how I wrote, produced, scored, and voice acted in this podcast, head to my website, keithhayden.net, and subscribe to my newsletter. Once you've signed up, you'll receive exclusive opportunities to interact with me through various online events and possibly earn a chance to be featured on this podcast. Finally, don't forget you can find me on social. On LinkedIn, just search for my name, Keith Hayden. YouTube, you can find me on my channel, Keith Hayden Author. And you can find me on Twitter, at KH underscore author. Thanks for listening. See you in the next chapter. Next time, Chapter 23, Rebirth.